All right, joining me on this week's episode uh, on tour right now as we speak on the on the west side of Canada in the lovely state state in the lovely province of Alberta, Mr. Andrew Packer. Andrew, how are we doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, how's the tour going? Because you're you're kind of uh, doing the west coast right now. Thanks for getting up early or a couple hours behind. But how's how's it been going on, on the west coast? I mean, it's going well. Uh, I don't think Alberta takes kindly to you saying West Coast, though. So they they like to be considered Western Canada because they're not Western Canada. My apologies to the the province of Alberta. (laughs) But so far, it's been really fun. Um, We had, uh, yeah, just a a phenomenal show in uh, Red Deer that um, really was just, it was like 260 people packed out. That was a blast. Last night, Lethbridge, Sunday night, but still they showed up at a really good time with with them so it's it's been going good do you tend to get a keen for province to province city to city and obviously you've been doing this for a while now so you've been on tour but like what to expect how to kind of work the crowd how you know how your crowd works in place from you know from, from a red deer versus a calgary versus a lethbridge i mean it all must be secondhand at this point in your career because you just know it so you kind of amp yourself up knowing that like I wouldn't know what you just said that you you know Albertans don't really like to be referred to as West Coasters they're 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 Western Canada so does that all come natural I guess to you just with time and 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 tedious sort of uh, uh, you know work at the craft at the you know getting to know province to province and people to people I yeah absolutely I think this is my sixth trip out to Alberta to do a, a tour so uh I mean you just from chatting with people and and just getting to know the the lay of the land and going from all the way to the north all the way to the bottom like just throughout the whole province you just start gathering things and and it's a fun way to open a set too is like opening with something that you are picking up and and learning uh right there in that moment because the audience feels like you're being present and also feel like they they are being seen so um from each of the tours I just kind of come up with a few things each time and then um you know I don't rely on that cuz you know you want to keep things exciting as well and present for now too but once you start understanding the dynamics between how the different towns and cities look at each other it is uh, something that you can for sure play off of. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be, in a way, it's got to psych you up in a bit. Like, it gets you a little motivated when you know you're going from what. Because, I mean, I, I remember this from, uh, like, high school. Whenever we had a comic that would come in to a high school and do, like, a little, uh, you know, do, do, do a presentation or, or do a set or, or come and address the class about whatever it was, something. Uh, and they'd always make fun of the other schools. You know, because, like, oh, when he goes to this school, like, we're all like, yeah trash that school essentially the same philosophy works from town to town yeah i mean it's it seems to be just human nature to just have a rival city or town or something like that or there's always one that's on the end there's always like the heel of the of the one that everybody makes fun of yeah yeah there's always one and so like you're always a safe bet with either red deer or grand prairie they're just everybody's ready to just throw them under the bus but (laughs) i have so much fun in red deer every time i go Buddy, look at this guy just coming in here. Tits a flapping. Uh, Mr. Synagogue, always good Mr. to see Synagoga. you and your glistening body. He can't, he can't hear you because you're in my headphones, but oh. he's, saying he, he's very happy to see your tits. Are you? Yeah, very happy. Yeah. Look at that, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I think we found the promo video. I think we figured out which, which clip we're going to take. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, I don't think this is going to be allowed. How on has it been traveling with that guy? <laughs> Just a constant, he... constant flow of conversation. He, it must be. I mean, I've been on a podcast for forty four days. Make sure you're recording this one, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I, thank you, thank you. So I've always been through a few, a few hiccups in my past. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always usually ask this at the end, but I'll ask it now. I mean, if you if you had the ideal traveling buddy on yeah. the road, who would it be? And you're like, have you handpicked Mark for this? Yeah, I did. He was my number one pick. So he's your he's your ride or die. He's like your the guy you want shotgun when you're going town to town. Oh yeah, just uh, yeah. I mean, just his driving's good. Everything's good. You know, that's the his driving's thing good. that I think of. Just his driving. I mean, the comedy's second. You know, but 
Yeah, that's what I like to think too. <laughs> no, he's is a great comic, great hang. Is that something what? rare between comics when you have like a, a camaraderie like that? Not rare in a sense that it doesn't happen, but rare in a sense that you can, you know, always rely on somebody like that. I mean, the industry itself can be cliquey and, and there are, you know, people who kind of tend to work together. But when you got somebody like that or, or people who just like, it would be someone you would sort of bat material off of. Like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm working on something and you know that they're not going to be a dick about it and go steal it or not steal it. But I mean, like, you know, come at you from a different, but someone who you can actually work well and have a good rapport with. I mean, is it, is it often that that happens in the industry? No, I think it, it's pretty rare. You have to, it's more of like a, uh, I don't know. It's a rare relationship where you feel comfortable that you can just like bat material off each other and kind of help each other with that. Like there's a few people I have in the industry that I do that with. Uh, Mark is for sure one of them that we chat a lot about jokes and stuff. So it is helpful to have somebody with a different style than you just tell you, you know, what they could think and offer new paths to a joke that maybe has like is already on the rails for you that you can't figure out where you want to go with. So, but it's, I, it's, say it's more rare. It's especially among standups, like, you know, improv and I feel even writers and stuff, it's very much more open to just like a collaboration where because yeah, it's more of like a brainstorming there, effect, right? Yeah, yeah. Because what we do up on stage, though, is so uh, personal. It's just us up there. A lot of people are very individualistic in stand up. And I think that to its detriment, I think it's it's more helpful to get more ideas around people you trust that to help inform what you do. But um, it's a rare thing, I think, amongst stand ups. Do you find it easy to write and kind of rehash and kind of you know dissect and 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 do the, the biopsy on stand-up material versus any other like because you also you know you got both social media you're in a couple skits you, you do you know there's all that stuff like does your brain automatically focus on this is the bit this is this is stand-up material or do you see sort of a funny aspect in in a variety of ways can can you play it out in your brain or is it 100 a stand-up true and true uh, depends what I'm writing. I think a lot of the time I'm thinking stand up first and how, what would the bit be? But sometimes I'm, I'm time blocking to make content. And then that way I'm always, I'm just thinking about the, how do I put the jokes inside of the content? Uh, it depends what I'm thinking about, but my tendency is to go straight towards, uh, stand up first for sure. Now for, for a comic like yourself, like we, we've said, you've been doing this for a while. You're always on tour. You kind of, yeah, you, you've made this sort of following across Canada and the States. You've done the festivals. When you look kind of like at everything you're, you're, you're kind of accomplishing right now, is there a bucket list item on Andrew's sort of list? Is there like a vision board you got like that's that's the goal and you circle it? Yeah, I have a few major goals. It's, it's, I think it's important to have goals that make you go like, <laughs> that's wild if I pulled that off, you know? Right. Like, I'm not talking like the top of the heap, but like little by little, like, okay, like we're here now, but I want to get this done before year's end, or I want to do this before I turn 40. Like, I don't like whatever it is to you, but I mean, like how important that is, is that to have in sort of an artist's art, artillery of sort of motivational points? I think it's super important to have some, a bunch of goals that you're working towards and making sure that those are goals that you actually want. Because otherwise, I, I feel like people just kind of chat amongst themselves and then they just jump onto the bandwagon of what people are talking about as like the thing we should be going after. But right. it's important to like ask yourself genuinely what you want out of stand up and your your entertainment career, because everybody has a different path. Like no one is going down uh, the exact same path and keeping your eyes open to the things you want will set yourself apart. A lot of people yeah. focus on certain festivals. I don't want to name any of them, but like certain festivals you've done, where you've done a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the rest I mean, is pretty, you know, color coded. <laughs> I mean, there's still I'm still very much feel like a new guy uh, in a lot of ways. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. How do you feel like? Okay, give me one of the things that's on your board. Like one of the things that you're shooting for. Well, I want to sell out a comedy club in America and I haven't gotten my, I'm waiting on my visa to come back. And so gotcha. that's been on my list for a long time. It's just you have like a particular club in mind, Andrew? Shows. 
I mean, any of the ones that are decent, I'm I'm not really that picky, but like a helium and improv, uh, something like like that would be great, you know. Zane. Helium, that's two hours just you know south of the border here in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean they have a chain, but yeah, they have like oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're are, beautiful I mean, clubs. I mean, like, yeah, there's one close by. Um, yeah, yeah. That's always kind of a question too. I like to ask because whenever that time comes when a comic needs to move to the States and it happens because it is, it's an ongoing issue with Canadian comics and artists in this, in this, in this country that the move does come. Do you see yourself as a LA or New York kind of guy? Um, I don't know when the move's going to come exactly. I'm going to start working in the States first. Oh, I'm just saying building, yeah, whenever but... that does happen, it will inevitably you're, 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 your star is too big of not to be, I mean, there's a ceiling here in Canada, so you're going to burst mm -hmm. eventually. And, and yeah. I mean, if you haven't already within Canada, I mean, you have, you know, a huge following, but the States is going to take notice and that time's going to come. So when it does, is it the big apple or the belly of the beast that is Los Angeles? <laughs> uh, just because I love standing up so much. And that's been always the first thing I think to want to do. It's going to be New York. I haven't been to LA yet though. I, I really have been, I'm long overdue for a trip out there. So I would love to see it, but just based on my trips to New York and then also just what people are saying, I feel like New York's for me. It's got that stigma. It always has had that stigma with stand up that that's where, you know, the true it's just undeniable go. it's like when you talk to the comics about how much you're getting up a week it's like in la people talk about you know five to eight shows a week whereas like you can do that in one night in new york so it's just not even like comparable just the amount of rooms and the proximity to each other you can run around and be within like five kilometers you have like 10 or 11 comedy clubs like right in one little section it's just the amount of reps you can get. And I, I am a firm believer that like you build different skills in different comedy scenes. I think that you, it's Canada as a whole, Toronto, I lived in Vancouver for a bit. Those even Toronto, Vancouver build different skills, different styles, different kind of culture around comedy. Canada is different from the States. The UK is different from us. Like you gain skills from different places that have different tastes in, in comedy. But I want to do a stint in New York and really like, I feel like that's going to be like, almost like when a fighter goes to a training camp before a fight, I feel like that's kind of like what you're gaining from those reps of being in a, a specific comedy scene. Would you say the comedians themselves are kind of built differently from Vancouver to Toronto? A little bit. It just the area informs your development so much you know in toronto there was a lot of open mics when i came up there was a lot of weed rooms you could get a ton of stage time but the stage time was harder not as much actual audience at it so it, it forced a more conversational style to the stand-up that came off more casual a lot sneakier whereas i found that like the vancouver comics were writing more that they're they were more focused on the show show and making the jokes for that as opposed to like grinding it out in an open mic and figuring out how to use your personality purely. And this is general. I mean, I, there are great comics with different skills in both places. Uh, of course. I, I can totally understand. It's funny you mentioned weed rooms because here's something I always that was brought up recently and I always love touching on it. You think the weed rooms would be the easier rooms to do stand-up in, but everybody keeps telling me they're harder. It's just a, it was a different beast and it, it was something that you had to build skills for. There was a lot you could learn out of them. Yeah, but Andrew, the crowd I, is fucking baked. Aren't they laughing yeah. at everything? <laughs> no, that's the thing. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, yeah. people are telling me no. And I'm like, I've never, I've never sat through a weed. I don't smoke that off. I don't smoke <laughs> at all. Really? I, you know, but I mean, I could just think that one plus one equals two people who are stoned tend to laugh at shit and you would think you would do well in a, in a weed room, but it's, it's a tougher room. It depends because some of the weed rooms would be people come for the show. They watch the show. They leave. Some of the weed right. rooms would be like, people are in there anyway. They've been in there for a couple hours. The show <laughs> is run three and a half hours long. You're coming in at three hours to do a set. So just physically, when you've been high that long, it's hard to express an emote. So that's the thing. They would be laughing. They would be having a great time. But if the comics started telling them that they weren't having a good time, they would stop, stop having a good time. So it was usually really? like a mental hurdle in the comics head. 
where when you're doing a weed room, you have to just have fun with the moment, despite what you're audibly taking in from the crowd. Just have fun, do your set, riff, be silly, be present. Like long stories don't work that well inside weed rooms because people zone out, they come back, they can't understand what you're talking about anymore. So it's just not working. So shorter stories, tighter jokes, uh, silliness in the moment, that kind of stuff works so well in a weed room. But you have to kind of like learn that because <laughs> it's it, it mentally if you go in having never done a weed room, you're like, I'm bombing right now. So I have to address the bomb so that I can get out of it, use crowd work to get out of it like you would in a regular room. But right. in a weed room, they're not even going to respond to that interaction. And then now because you're panicking, they're panicking. And now the vibes are like messed up so it's just this yeah it, it was it, it, they were challenging but there was so much you could learn inside of them wow i mean yeah because it, it always throws me for a loop when people say that and i've, I've had a few comics on and we've always discussed weed rooms and it's like no they're the hardest rooms to you know get on your side not get on your side but like you know connect with it and, and kind of you know have a good feedback from because yeah sometimes they're in the moment sometimes they're not um yeah. you mentioned bombing i mean when was the last and you know if you want to it happened on the tour that you're on right now go right ahead but the last kind of healthy bomb you had how how cleansing was it i mean it feels like with comedy there's like a weekly ego check it's just constant like uh mm -hmm. the thing is like you have your uh you have your kind of your skew of how far of a bomb you can have and, and you're kind of moving your your spectrum you're trying to move that spectrum up so right. i'll bomb i'll bomb like i bombed like a couple of days ago but they, to the crowd they were still like it's a good show but it's just like when I, I know i'm not bringing the best version of myself and i know that you know i'm i'm messing up my order and stuff like that is right. like that's a bomb and i know that's a bomb and i but it still delivers and that's part of being a professional still delivering a, a professional performance and experience despite it being maybe not your best which we're human. It's impossible to be at your best at all times, but I'm always shooting for that. So when I'm missing that, it's uh, it doesn't feel great. <laughs> well, I mean, it wouldn't obviously, but I mean, like your entire set bomb. Are you talking like new material, new jokes, stuff? You're, I mean, I don't think you're working out new stuff right now. I mean, you're on a full fledged tour, so this is endless material people are getting. But I mean, working on bits and stuff like that, I can imagine how that could be. But you're telling me that even now you're kind of still bombing on a set. A whole set? <laughs> well, it depends on like uh, this headline tour is kind of different what we're doing, right? So sometimes you're you're dealing with uh, like a cold open, and then you know it's like the whoever goes on first on the cold open is essentially like getting the crowd into the show and everything. And mm -hmm. you're opening with a forty minute set, but like the first fifteen is really just like trying to pull things back around together. And you're in a small town where there's small town dynamics and small town dynamics can be really challenging to do crowd work because everyone knows each other. So you might be making jokes about things, but you don't know that there's actual tension there amongst certain people. So that can always be like a little bit of a minefield that you're trying to just <laughs> circumvent your way around. But it's like, how would you even know that those dynamics exist? So it was kind of a situation like that. And just feeling like it took me too long to get the crowd where they needed to be. I, I got them there. We got them rolling. And then I you know, brought up Mark and he closed out that show. But it was just, yeah, one of those things where you, in your body, viscerally, you're, I can feel like a groundedness to my feet. And I'm just like be present and like willing myself into performing harder and, and bringing fun energy as opposed to uh, kind of caving in a situation where it's not fully coming back to you. So right. it's like, it's I, not I, a bomb. I did the job. I did what needed to be done, but it still feels <laughs> like that, you know? You sound like a hitman now. I'm like, I did it. I did what needed to be done. No emotions, yeah. no nothing got through it. <laughs> You're it not just, here from it just can be like again, that sometimes. Sure. Oh, they're gone. They're bye-bye. That crowd's over. Uh, yeah. So Synagogue was hosting a few nights. Uh, sorry, headlining a few nights. Yeah, we do like a flip-flop. I like doing like the co-headline thing. Partly because I think it makes you stronger as a comic to get those ego checks to go on a cold open and host when it's not an easy thing. And because when you when you're just headlining all the time, I feel like you can get yourself into a mental mentality that, I mean, you know, you're walking into a warm audience almost every time. So it's uh, 
yeah, it can shock the system to to go cold open and and force you to to put more effort into the writing and everything. You have a place uh, that you kind of circle that you know that you know you gotta go, but it's like you dread going. I mean, you can you can be straight up and tell me. You know, it's, it's just you and I talking here. Is there somewhere on the map where it's like, oh, well, we gotta stop here? But God, fuck, oh God. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm holding out. And just to be fair, not to hang out to dry, a lot of people tell me right off the bat, Manitoba. True. I mean, I, I haven't done a ton in Saskatchewan or Manitoba, so I haven't, I don't really go out there very often. Uh, I usually fly over them and go to Alberta <laughs> or BC. <laughs> Which is Western Canada, not the West Coast. Uh, well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's the number one kind of province that comes up is Manitoba. I don't know what. I mean, people will do the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, check. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's TV. That's, you know, that's that's a well-put-together yeah. festival and stuff like that. But as far as clubs, uh, in, I, I wouldn't even. Isn't there a club in a hotel in Winnipeg or something like that? Uh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg is. Oh, Winnipeg, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, they got the basement in the hotel. I did that one. Yeah. It was fun. I mean, I've got nothing against Winnipeg. I'm from Oshawa. So, I mean, I grew up as this. That's the, that's the Winnipeg of Ontario. So everyone, you know, it's like the heel <laughs> of the province, right? So I, I never look down on these places. Like, I love Red Deer. I'm like, that's the Oshawa of Alberta, right? It's just the <laughs> one that everyone just pumps. You just relate everything of. back to the schwa? It literally, because I mean, everyone has, since I started comedy, since I was like a kid, Oshawa was always just like a big running joke of like fucking Oshawa or the Schwiggity or the Dirty Schwa. So I'm, I, you know, the place that gets made fun of a lot, I always feel like a, a you know, an affinity to like I'm home. <laughs> so you say, I, I would say Oshawa is at least better than Whitby. I mean, nobody goes to Whitby, you go through it. I feel you, but I mean, no one says that. Yeah. And there's another thing that's always like, where would you want to live? Would it be Oshawa or Hamilton? Yeah. And I don't know who's running for mayor in Hamilton right now, but I mean, they're making a, a run. I mean, like, <laughs> like Hamilton's getting some cred, apparently. True. Yeah. So still, still keeping Oshawa down, those fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're, I don't think there's anywhere I really dread going. Like any, and, and also, like, my, my opinion as a comic is super skewed by the venue and the place I'm going to play. So it's, like it could be a shit town, but you got a good venue. I'm like, I love this place, you know. So I mean, yeah, it's uh, what you make of the crowd. It's it's your job as the car, uh, comic or the artist on stage to kind of like bring it all together and bring it all home. I mean, people c- came out, right? They're there. They're in the yeah. seats. So there we go. It's showtime. Let's let's make magic happen. Um, mm-hmm. for you now, I mean, how many years have we been talking about here? How many years have you been doing comedy? I've been doing comedy nine nine years. Nine years, and you have two specials. No, uh, this is my first special. Uh, it's a I did I just I didn't do an album. I didn't do an EP. I didn't do anything of that. I just continued developing and then uh, decided like, well, why wouldn't you shoot a special if you could? And uh, decided to shoot the special and then just chop the audio up as an audio album as well. Shot at the, or recorded at Comedy Bar East on the Danforth on guard. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the title. It's a uh, kind of a, a double or triple entendre. Uh, I, Ooh, I triple did so much entendre. of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did so much of my developing in, in Canada. So there's an on guard, like the on guard for the kind of uh, thing that the Canadians will get. Uh, there are a lot of jokes about Canada in the special. So it's, again, kind of trying to tipping the hat to my home country. And then I also have a, a joke that kind of is an anchor to the special about lifeguards. So we get into to talking about lifeguards in the special. That's another on guard situation. Um yeah, so there's like those kind of pieces going throughout the special. And then I have these themes of death as well. So uh, just kind of being on guard to death and that whole thing as well. Lifeguard, was that a, an occupation of yours in the past? Yeah, uh, it was not. It was not. But I, I think they think too much of themselves. And both my brother <laughs> and sister were lifeguards. And I think that might have inspired it slightly. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. I mean, hey, I mean, are you starting a movement? You're like... Uh... <laughs> Not your hatred, but I mean, you're, you know, take them down a notch lifeguard. You're not as important as you think you are. Exactly. 100%. It's just one of those observational jokes that I really like to write that uh, throws a punch at a group of people that you just wouldn't expect me to be throwing at. (laughs) I mean, who else are you calling out for when you're drowning on a beach? 
I mean, that's the only reason that we need them. Do that, and then yet they get the label for lifeguard for all of them. It makes no sense. Give well, what the was that? Uh, the the Baywatch movie that was. Yeah. I mean, it bombed. It was horrible. It was a bunch of uh, horrible jokes, whatever. But I just remember um, the scene where we were in lifeguard pursuit or something like that, making it seem like it's a branch of you know law authority. Like lifeguards really think that they're this you know gift to society gift to society of like uh we've been you know through grueling training we know cpr we can we, yeah. you know but you only work in one setting and one setting only and that's wherever there's water i mean it's the equivalent of aquaman no i mean aquaman has superpowers and can talk to fish and stuff that's way better yeah but it only works when you're in the water <laughs> uh, yeah i know i agree <laughs> you don't have to tell me i made a special about it <laughs> <laughs> moving to i mean looking forward as we said bucket list items and 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 the, and the tour that you're on and and kind of where you see yourself down the road people always have that thing like a year from now i'm going to be here or a year from now i'm going to be there i mean the tour is going to last you till what end of the year uh pretty much to the end of the year we got some big venues in ontario that we're ending with we got huntsville which is a nice like a beautiful 400 seat theater and then Peterborough as well as another 350 seat theater. So um, those are like some bigger shows that we're doing in Ontario. And that'll be kind of wrapping the tour that that Mark and I are doing together. And then, um, yeah, I mean, from there, the plan is to have the US visa come through, which I've been in the process of for uh, over six months now, and just working through that. And then that the main goal is to just start connecting with the people, the fans that I've been building through Man News and start having them coming out to live shows and basically touring throughout America so that I can, in, in the same way that I kind of used the last special to tip my hat at Canada, I, I want to write a bunch of jokes and a bunch of material that that is directed to, towards the U.S., but still run it as well in other countries so that I can make sure that it has a global accessibility to it and then put out another special which uh, I, I think it's still going to take me like I'm working with right now a new I have a new like 40 minutes that I'm running right now uh, right. that's not on the uh, special. So I think it's going to take me probably at least another year before I'm ready to set the date to shoot the special. But we'll uh, we'll see how the development. Oh, how, how grueling is that process for the, the U.S.? I mean, it has a lot of st I mean, I'm assuming it has a lot of stuff has changed since the pandemic. And just with paperwork and all that stuff like that. But for an artist, especially a Canadian artist, trying to break through it. And, and, and like, what's that all like? I mean, is it some days you're just ripping out your fucking hair? Like, I mean, is it a lot of lawyer talk? Is it a lot of, what, what, what's that all like? I mean, before there used yeah. to be, I remember there was a lottery process at one point. And you'd be like, hey, I won the lottery and I can get a green card. And, uh, you know, people made that move or whatever. And then there was a specific type of visa to register for. What the hell is it like now in a post-pandemic world? It's not easy. I mean, it's essentially a part-time job that you have to take on on the side. It's very tedious and it also you have to really sell yourself huge. So you have to really like pump your tires for like a lot uh and you have to write like 10 letters that you need people that are reputable in this in the scene and the like industry to sign and then you need to get a bunch of promised work from people in the states uh without having gone down there, which is a little bit of a like a chicken and an egg situation as well. So it's uh it's it's pretty tough. Uh I'm lucky that I've had certain things kind of fall into my favor this past year to help my case and I'm feeling pretty confident that's going to go through, but it is yeah, it's a lot of money, it's a lot of work. It's uh and then you still just kind of hope for the best at the end of it. Um so I mean, yeah, it's I, a lot of comics will complain about it and I've spent enough time complaining about it, but at a certain point you just have to accept that this is the game and you got to play the game to get in. And when you think about it, I mean, if you're starting a business and you look at it as a business expense, then it's something that makes sense, you know, from the perspective of what the opportunity is in America. And also I'm kind of dropping the whole nationalistic perspective on uh, whether comics like move to the States or like, cause there's a whole thing of like, oh, like every comic will say, there's no star system here. We all have to move to the States. Uh, Canadians don't care about us until we make it in the States. Like everyone says all this stuff where it's like, no, it's like, just look at it like a population. Like 
literally there are 35 million people in Canada, the whole country, coast to coast, massive landmass. You look at America, Texas, 30 million people, California, 30 million people. Like there's two candidates right there. I named two states. So it's like being a comic that just stays in Canada is like using the squat rack and never using the dumbbells, never working out on like doing pull-ups, never doing anything else in the gym, never doing your cardio. Like it's like, it's just different and more that's there. And it's outside of just nationalistic kind of perspective. It's just an audience base and the proximity to cities and amount of cities it's and then amount of comics and and competition and you sharpen your your uh, your swords amongst like stronger people you know like uh, that's just how it it goes so i think it's it's a necessary move and it's just more opportunity and it's just strictly on building a business that just makes sense beautifully said buddy yeah we i harp on that a lot and it's volume it's 100% volume we don't don't have the volume as you know there's so much more entertainment value and in and 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 population wise to consume that entertainment in the states and as you said you know you name two states and that's pretty much the population of canada and out of the population of canada how many entertainment hubs are there well one being toronto it's the biggest one and vancouver being that it's on the west coast there we go again using that word as la but i mean there are two entertainment hubs where a lot of american outlets tend to film shows and, and projects at a cheaper dollar so if you're looking at two cities that only hold that entertainment hub in a country of 30 million people where you can name five or six or seven or eight within a state that you know can do that in the, in in america i mean yeah it's a volume control we don't have that here i mean it shifted a lot of of the social media era and that's kind of where i want to get in with you i mean people getting a name brand and getting recognized and getting the followers that they can via social media. How's that all played out for you? Because you've grown quite the following. Do you know if it's, I mean, you look at your algorithms, you look at your stats. Do you know that if you're, you're growing in a certain, like, are, are, are they becoming more us based uh, or is it mostly Canada? Like you're, you're up there. As yeah, far I mean, the, as the largest numbers, chunk. Yeah. I mean, the largest chunk is in America. Uh, it's, it's like not even comparable like i'm like canada makes up just like a very small little section and then right. uh, america is like massive so it's pretty nuts like i was just like on a trip to atlanta the other day like a few weeks ago and i, I get recognized in canada like every now and then like once every couple of weeks or whatever maybe something will happen but when i was in atlanta like every day somebody was like recognizing me from man news which was pretty crazy just to have happen so it's um yeah there's a lot of my following is based there and and we're so lucky in this day and age that the algorithms and the uh social media exists i know it has like its negative parts like i'm not yeah i work in in the field right but um it's so much work like it's so much but also there's nobody telling you you can't do it so you know and at another time when there were these gatekeepers that just wouldn't allow you to kind of propel your career if you didn't get on just for laughs it's like what other path was there you know so uh, now there's these apps that allow you to connect and get inside the phones of, of people that might like your stuff every day you can just pop up and give them a laugh which is awesome from a comedy perspective uh you know again stand-ups focus ultra stand-up Whereas like, if you want to be a comedian, just be a comic in whatever medium is at your disposal, right? Which is kind of my takeaway from the pandemic when, when stand-up got pulled away. Like I focused on the apps because I'm like, if I can be funny on stage, why can't I just be funny on these? And then now I've been able to build this following that is helping me these numbers I've, I'm able to do on like YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. Now that's helping me put that case forward so that I can go to America. Cause I'm like, there are people that will come see what I have to offer when I, when I come down there. Yeah, Hopefully. man, numbers don't lie. <laughs> you got the numbers. Yeah, there you go. You got numbers. Do not lie. Um, I kind of like to, to wrap things up and kind of run down a, a sort of rapid fire list of questions with you. Um, but you know, I always say rapid fire. I say this every episode, but usually you'll give an answer. I'll be like, what? And I'll be just like, okay. So, it spawns like a side topic, but uh, how I started off with first and most importantly, your comedic influence growing up. Dave Chappelle, Dane Cook, 
uh, yeah, I would say probably and Eddie Murphy. Those were the three I was listening to like crazy when I was a kid. All stand-ups. Yeah. yeah. Uh, your favorite comic to date? Right now? Ooh, that's tough. That's, that's real tough. Uh, I'll say, I think, um, Rory Scoville, I think, is definitely someone that I'm like, every time I watch this guy, I'm like, this yeah. is phenomenal. And it's just so loose. It's so strong because he can be so strong without doing material that it's just like, what is what a strong piece of entertainment that you can pull off that you are, you know, somebody could see you twice on the same weekend and still be like, that was amazing. I, I will come again. Like, that's crazy. You know, uh, your favorite comedy movie, one that you can always watch over and over again. Favorite comedy movie? Uh, I really like Pineapple Express. <laughs> are you a Rogan a, fan? Oh, yeah. He, he's great. And that movie is just so silly. There's so many awesome scenes in it. So many good cameos. The fight scene is so funny. And then, uh, <laughs> I mean, even uh, Bobby Lee makes an appearance. <laughs> you know, like, there's just, like, so many good pieces to that movie. It's, yeah, I like that movie a lot. Uh, your favorite club to perform in? Mm, I mean, it's like home base. I got to say the corner, the corner comedy club. It's just, it's There's so good. There's something about for... that spot. Everybody, I love it. I mean, is it the yeah. intimacy of it? I mean, because to me, I think stand-up, that's how it should be appreciated. You know, two, 300 people. I mean, comedy in the corner is like, what, 35 people? But small rooms, you know, close energy. I don't, Jive well on on like when a comic, or especially if he's obviously it's going to be a huge name when they do like a sellout arena show. I can't get into it. Like I can't. I might as well watch it on Netflix. But there's something about the corner, and I don't know if it's the intimacy of it. Like I said, only 35 people. It's a basement. It's in a back alleyway. It looks like a speakeasy. I mean, what's what is it for you? Like what what do, what do you love about that room? It forces you to be so conversational and you can really connect with the audience and see most of them. Like I can do crowd work in there and just like talk to almost every group and then start really like mangling it around and, and using things to like pull things back around and everybody feels really a part of the whole situation. But also, I mean, I love a theater because you get to be so performative. You get to really push your act outs and there's different things you get to work on. But the corner is just really a great spot to see if your writing is going to work because it's again such a small stage. So that those like those extra frills that you'd put on things to you know use in a large stage to add like a big stage picture, you can't really focus on that stuff. You have to focus more on the writing and the energy and also keep it conversational and casual. So it's just been a place that I when I started it was uh, the main place I was like barking on the street for them when they're in their other location and. I've just been there like the whole way through. They've grown and I've grown alongside them. And it's just, uh, yeah, you're talking about like home base, you know? So it's uh, it's got all those things going for it. Yeah, you almost don't need a mic in that room. Yeah, I like a mic. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite joke of yours? Oof, that changes all the time. <laughs> is this something you're working on now? Is it one that you've kind of, on the shelf and you've sent it in a special and you kind of retired it i don't know yeah um yeah because it's always changing between like the one you've written recently that's working that okay so let's put it this way what's your favorite joke you've written recently what's the one you love like in your set right now you're on tour what's the one like i can't wait till i hit this part of the show because I, i'm just waiting to see how they react yeah i like i got this joke about trains this trains. right now yeah trains and it's okay. so it's it comes so far out of left field to open it, and I always love doing it. Like I, at a certain point in the set, I'll just say I like trains, and it's just so funny to watch the audience like take that in. I just let like there be like a long pause, and just it's. Uh, we're talking yeah. actual trains or like model trains. No, like like real legit like choo choo like, like the go yeah. train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like trains, dude. Any train, <laughs> all the trains, fast ones, cargo, passenger, just catches the audience. <laughs> just <laughs> out of left field and it's it's fun to do there's some act outs in it too that are really silly that i like all right well okay um, we mentioned you're on the road so i know that your traveling buddy is synagogue um what is uh one place on the road 
that kind of sticks out? Because you you you've been at this for a while now. Uh, that's your favorite place to kind of eat. Is there a greasy spoon that sticks out? Best place to eat on the road, or is there something you've eaten on the road that's like, yeah, that was good. Oh, when I did the East Coast, I did. Uh, I popped into PEI for a show, and we stopped and got those lobster rolls, and those were just unstoppable. Yeah, PEI, you're right there. They, they probably picked them fresh that morning. Oh yeah, it's just stupid how good that was on this bun, and I think it was in Sydney. Yeah, I think that's the place. Man, that was. Is there a specific, specific spot or anywhere you went to that was just like every place had lobster rolls on the menu? I can't. Re- I mean, every place does have lobster rolls on the menu, but this particular place was recommended to me, and I can't remember exactly the name of it. But I remember it was like on a dock. You had to walk down the dock, and it was on the like like if you cross over on the bridge from Nova from New Brunswick, it's on like the south side of the all right everybody the get the google province. earth app out and, and try then to just find have at it good luck finding it but i can't remember but man it was at the end of this dock and it was yeah it was incredible are you good a big time. food guy i love uh, i love yeah trying different foods in different places that i go but uh well, you gotta be <laughs> a food guy when you tour with synagogue what's the craziest yeah. thing you've ever eaten on the road then after a show, one time we, uh, this is when I was touring with Jacob and Che, we uh, went and got just an incredible amount of the meat. Uh, there's this place in Edmonton called Meat, and that's what meat. they do. They, yeah, it's like a barbecue place, and it's just called Meat is the place. And we order, and they have these like, uh, what do you call it? Um, just the cornbread that was just on, like we each got our own cornbread and it comes in like a skillet with a hunk of butter on top and then all of this we went off <laughs> the tour wow that sounds insane um okay sticking with the food if there was a fast food restaurant that was in your house in place of your kitchen that restaurant would be. I do an A and W. An A and W. They're here. everywhere now. I don't know who's investing in this company, but every street. There's probably corner, one in my kitchen already. Can you mention that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the Canadian ones. For some reason, the American ones they do not look nearly as nice, or just in general, not good. But it's like, remember Blockbuster? You never see them being built. They just popped up everywhere. Now that's the yeah. same thing with A and W. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's uh, they they are everywhere, and it's always it's a good thing to have on the road. They do like lettuce wraps. Their their patties are pretty good. It's you know it's a good time. <laughs> uh, best up and coming comic right now that you want people to know about. Um, I think uh, I saw um, there's a bunch of like new guys that are really starting to do a great job in Toronto. Um, one of them is Faraz Niafada. This guy, he just won the uh, the Prove Your Comic competition in Absolute. If I go on the road, I, I very often I'll bring Faraz with me. And he's just really funny, has a great flow, got his own voice, a really like low energy delivery, but it still rips audiences at like a high pace. It's really fun to watch. So I would say Faraz Niafada for sure. Do you see this new surge of kind of comics that are coming I, I don't know someone kind of described it to me as like every year there's sort of like a graduating class of comics that all come up together there's like this new surge of comics that are coming in that are just i don't know i don't know what it is but i mean their their sense of connecting with the crowd i mean obviously there's generation gaps that have gone on now like i'm a little older so i have some appreciation for a certain type of that comic certain type of this comic and i'm not noticing so much of stand-up right now but just people under the cloak of comedy that you know online a lot it's a lot of shock it's a lot of how crazy can i get or how absurd can i say something or for essentially getting the click the like the follow the whatever it is and they become this not gonna say overnight sensation but it does but i'm seeing it a lot that there's in an era where there still is cancel culture, there's this new age of kind of shock comedy coming into the fold. And I don't know if it's prevalent with stand-up, but I'm noticing it a lot online. Like two guys would be like, yeah, let's do this because they told us to do it. And then they go do it no matter who they fuck up in the process. 
but they do it for the like. I'm like, oh, these guys are crazy. You got to watch them. Or, oh, you got to check out this person when he says, I don't know, like, where are people getting the balls from? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I mean, I think being a new comic, going towards shock has always been the a very common tendency. You know, I used right. to have a lot more shock value jokes for sure because you're trying to get a reaction to the crowd. You're not sure how to do it. And a lot of the times you people will go towards something shocking because it makes them uncomfortable. And it's a common thing when you're a newer comic to mistaken discomfort for funny, I find. That's interesting that you say that because I see that a lot. Yeah, discomfort for funny, yeah. And, and what people out of, will laugh out of defense, because... people will laugh out of the right. defense mechanism to put ease on the situation. And as a comic that's new, you're like, every laugh is a laugh, right? But as you start doing it more, you start to notice all of the different types of laughs. And then you start to value how valuable different types of laughs are. Mm. That's what comes out of the experience of, of you, you. If you're actively trying to get better at this, it starts to become very not fulfilling to get that shock value laugh. Yeah, or it's just it actually kind of turns like, it to work. <laughs> you have to actually work at it. Are you a you a pen to paper guy? Are you a iPhone? Are you um like a voice memo note thing? How do you kind of collectively collect all your all your bits? All your like when, when something comes in your brain, you immediately need to write it. And there's like post it notes all over your room. Like what's your process? Um, yeah, no, I I'll put everything everywhere. I mean, uh, I I put notes in my phone if the ideas come to me just naturally. I write in a small notebook. I have a large notebook that I'll do like long form writing in and then I'll take notes from that and I'll throw that in a smaller notebook and I always have that smaller notebook on me, but I'll never look at it during a set unless it's a like unpaid show that I'm just really fucking around at. But yeah. um, it's more of just like, a, I know it's there if I need it, but I'll never, I'll never look at it at a real show. I, I, I let the moment kind of inform my decision-making more. I feel like there's more value in that trusting your instinct while you're on stage. So that's usually the way I go about it. I'll write out a set list, but that's again, that's just like a, these are the the tracks. And if I go off the rails, it's that's just what the moment is providing me. So, so much of the time, like the moment provides you with something so much better than if you had just stuck to the script. So um yeah. yeah i'll write i'll write on stage i'll riff on stage and see where that goes it's i'll I, and then i just hone in on everything that's functioning is that the kiss of death for a comic when they bring out the little black book they're like okay and then i'm like he goes to the notes on the on the stool at a pro show it, it just it puts a lot of it, it just tells the crowd you you're not a professional like yeah it's just i've saw someone do that the other day and i was just like you know, everyone in the crowd was like, yeah, but the one person is just, she's looking at her notes and it's just like, it, it just provides that. Especially if you're a newer comic, it just, I get the crutch, but don't use the crutch. Like, yeah, learn your shit, know it backwards and forwards, stick to what you know. And if you don't know it, just find a way to make that funny because sometimes you, your brain is just not giving you whatever that next thing is, but it's in there. And so if you just let yourself go into the moment, it sometimes gives you enough time to just have your brain file that thing in next. And then you, then you do progress and then you were present the whole time. And maybe you found something that connected you to the crowd in that moment, which is what was necessary, what your instinct was telling you was needed. And I just, I believe in our analytical brain, not being as present during those moments while you're on stage and just letting yourself be in that more primitive state where you're, you feel the fear of being the person and the <laughs> monkey that is secluded from the audience because that forces yeah. something out of you, forces energy out of you. Fear's good, man. Fear's good. I don't know if you know, I'm sure you know the comic Dion Cole. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a chance to interview him one time and I asked him about a bit that I, I absolutely loved. And I'm like, where did that originate from? Because he did exactly what, what we were just discussing. He has a piece of paper with a, a pen and he's like, hey, and he kind of, says ideas and jokes to the audience and he's, if they like it or if they don't like it he kind of gives it a check mark or he crosses it off he's like that actually started when i was fucking shitting my pants on open mics and i would go to my notes and then i ended up using it when i got professional but he made it part of the bit like as okay i'm gonna try out some new stuff and then 
he actually people laughed when he was cross crossing stuff off his list or or adding a check mark like okay hey that's a good one hey that's not a good one some people weren't in on it I'm like oh he should know his stuff by now i'm like that's the bit that he has the piece of paper on but it's funny how it all originated from yeah open mics and and you know not the non-professional shows where you're trying stuff you know trying out new material and stuff and kind of using that as a crutch but that's where it kind of originated from for him he was one of the only comics I've ever seen him do that in a you know, pro setting or, or, or a special taping where he's used it, you know, for him instead of against them. So funny you mentioned that. Um, I kind of want to wrap things off by the most kind of, I don't know how you would call this question, but I guess, you know, the, the, the epic question of, of the industry, but the best advice you ever got. I would say it's... Uh... Cause it's so hard. Advice is so tough because everybody is, is on their own like path and everything. So you're always trying to avoid directing anybody because that could be the direction that informs their style and all that different stuff. Um, I would say the the thing that helped me most, cause I was, I was doing stand up for maybe two years and I wasn't writing all the time or wasn't writing quite a bit. And so I, I wanted to write more cause I was like, if this whole writing thing is the thing that's going to stop me from becoming a, a professional or great comedian, then, you know, that would make me feel shitty. So I was just will myself into it. And the thing that got really pulled down the fear of that blank page was just the idea that make the goal, just write two pages of bad jokes or terrible, just, just not good stuff. Just that's the barometer. That's the threshold you got to get to. Write two pages of garbage every day. Every and then day. That's the threshold. So if you just write and then you achieve the goal, if it's bad, which that's the thing with writing, like I find that most, almost all the time it's bad, but sometimes you'll just have these, these writing sessions that are just like ridiculous. And you just think that you're all of a sudden now you're like a god of comedy because <laughs> you just pumped out <laughs> like six great new jokes that all work later on stage and stuff. But that's the thing. Showing up is what's most important. So just having that threshold of write two pages of shit was just enough to get me writing. Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, he's on tour right now in Western Canada. Not the West Coast, Western Canada, so the province of Alberta doesn't hate me. Uh, you're in uh, what city are you in right now? Sorry, I didn't even know that. You're in Red I'm Deer. I'm in no? Lethbridge right Lethbridge. now. I'm I'm going to Vulcan tomorrow, and then Drayton Valley, Banff, Okotoks, Strathmore, Calgary. We got that's wow. what we got going on. You're you're spending some time in Alberta. I, I hear that. Um, the new special is out now on guard on all streaming platforms on YouTube. Uh, check them out on social media. Andrew, thank you so much for your time today, buddy. You, you're, you're kicking ass and taking names across this country. And, you know, I wish you the best when that day comes and you cross the border and then we never hear from you again. And then you make it big and then you're like, Hey, remember him? And then people are like, Oh my God. So, and it'll come. It usually does. Cause it's going to happen. Uh, but thank you for your time. Are you actually going to the West Coast? Are you, are you doing British Columbia? Uh, I did it earlier in the month. I was out oh, there. Oh, you did it earlier in the month. Yeah. So we'll see you when you're back in Toronto, back in Ontario, back in the homeland. Um, but shows all throughout the year. Check out the social, check out the YouTube channel, check out the website to where he's performing in your town next. His name is Andrew Packer. Thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to meet you. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll catch each other down the road, but, uh, like always, please like subscribe, follow, support this podcast as each and every one of my guests. Uh, I need it more than they do, but thank you very much for listening. Uh, please send me money or whatever it is that they say. Five-star review at the end of your podcast. Uh, but I'm Vincent Esco and this is the, you should do comedy podcast. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs>